you are that meme now. Maybe you need to inner reflect on yourself and change how you conduct your band because your band is a business and it, you sound very passionate, but passion doesn't make money in a business. Yes. Unfortunately. Welcome to the Slow and Fast Podcast, where we slow down and break down ideas and techniques to help speed up your creative journey. I'm Stephen Ward, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, John Maciel. How are you doing, John? I am doing really, really well. I woke up today. It was a good day. We launched a, a new video on the Plugin Alley YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. If you guys who are new, I have a plugin uh, YouTube channel. So does Steven. We have this podcast, but Steven has come on board to help me out over at my channel. This is like our third or fourth video together. And over the weekend, watching the video, it's really been fun to watch the evolution over the past couple of videos. And mm -hmm. then it's really fun that like we have this podcast we work together at the podcast and then over here at a YouTube channel. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's fun to work with friends. I know they say you should have worked with your friends, but I'm like, I don't see a problem with it. As long as you guys know how to talk and communicate and are not afraid to be real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as you guys are on the same page. And as you said, communication is key, right? Like that's, yeah. that is the one thing. Cause you and I have like our values really closely aligned, which makes it really easy to work together. Yeah. And speaking of working easy together, the, this episode was supposed to be a different episode, but then something came up in one of our lives and I immediately was like, Hey, that we should do an episode talking about this. Like, I don't know why we haven't we're we're almost 30 deep and we've not thought about this particular topic and mm -hmm. the topic is warning signs to know that your artist band or client is gonna suck and i mean we all want to imagine in a perfect world that everybody that's going to come render our services is going to be really awesome but the reality is when you're a creative entrepreneur, a solopreneur, however you want to think of it, phrase it, there's just a lot of people out there that throw up some red flags at the beginning of your journey. You're more likely to ignore because you want to believe in the best, but then you become like me and Jaded mm -hmm. and Steven, and you're just like, you see certain things or you read certain messages and you're like, oh God, how do I get out of this? <laughs> Well, I think so, it's it's definitely easy to ignore red flags, especially if you feel like you have like have to take on the client. If you yes. have that fear of missing out, if you have that like maybe there's like money issues, you know, that are really pressing. Uh, yeah, it's it's easy to ignore the red flags, but ultimately, in the long run, it's better for you not to do that. Yeah. So speaking of red flags, what was like? I'm curious your story. What was like your first red flag story where you started realizing, oh, I need to be aware of this when potentially being hired to do stuff? Uh, are we speaking of the story that inspired this? Uh, it can be. It can be your your first story from when you like first are doing recording music in general. Ah, uh, let's see. I mean, When people tend to start talking down about your abilities in order to bully your price down, 
that mm. was like that was one of my initial ones where you know I was in I was in negotiations with a client you know rendering some services and uh and I was like okay well this project's going to take me this amount of time you know and my time is this is worth this much so yeah. they were like oh well it shouldn't take you that long so I mean I don't feel like I need to pay you that much it's like cool do it yourself yeah Dick. all right man cool so if you could do it faster than me then why don't you just do it yeah, why are you even trying to uh, delegate this? If yep. apparently you 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 know what you want in this situation, mine's kind of similar. In, mm -hmm. but mine was more. It was the dreaded, or dreadful. Um, you give them the price, and they're like, ah, yeah. See, like I have a friend or a cousin <laughs> that said they would do the same thing, but for a huge discount, mm -hmm. and or. I have a friend that's learning how to do this and they said they think that they could be able to handle this project. I don't know why, but I do know why it's like, you don't, it's like telling someone you're trying to court or date, like, Hey, look, I really want to date you, but like there's someone else who's just a little bit cuter that, I'm just going to – I just want to go see. Even though they might be terrible, like a terrible person, you're still kind of like, I'm, I'm just going to go see. Instead of making the smart choice of like, well, you know what? This, like, this opportunity is here. This person wants to get into a relationship, and the only thing stopping me from this relationship is like essentially envy and lust, right? And it's like – those human factors just drive me crazy when it comes to business because so many people see, like they're lusting over saving that dollar that like ultimately it comes down to the money factor and what took me so long to like comprehend because i used to get so upset when that would happen to me like i would take it personally i'd be like what the fuck am i not good enough but i would then ask myself okay am i selling myself well enough uh what is the underlying problem? And then I realized I wasn't the problem. As funny as it is to say, I realized that they didn't believe in their craft enough to spend what it was worth. They were, mm -hmm. it, it, it was a, a hobby. It was a pastime. So why would you spend a lot of money on a pastime? Like, it, I don't know, Steven, do you have, I have certain hobbies and things in my life where I won't spend a certain amount of money because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not spending over this amount because it's just not worth it because I'm only going to do this one thing or use it this many times. Do you do you have stuff like that too? Oh, absolutely. I mean like uh, woodworking is is like a pastime of mine, but it's not something that I go out and spend like $10,000 on a piece of gear so that way I can yeah. like route, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a piece of wood like properly. Like that's just not – yeah, that's just not what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm yeah, going to like take you, somebody who's professional, who has the tools, who's done it for 20 years, who can make sure that it's done perfectly. Yeah, they're, they'll be done in like five minutes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. And you're just like, that would have taken me half an hour to an hour to make sure I did executed it right the first time. But once I realized that, oh, a lot of the people that I was, you know, having inquire about rendering my services were actually hobbyists and they didn't want to spend the money on something that you know they were only going to take it so far that was like my first big true like oh man anytime someone says well i'm kind of shopping or something it's okay to shop but if someone's like oh i i've like 
I'm hitting up a bunch of people to see what their prices are. I immediately excuse myself from the conversation because mm-hmm. I already know that I'm going to be nickel and dimed throughout that whole process. And they're going to be, they're always the clients and artists and bands that have, are the most demanding for paying the least amount. And the ones that pay me my rate or more never bother me. Mm-hmm. Maybe one or two notes. It's just, it, it's so crazy how that happens. Um, but the reason for this episode was, uh, Stephen, if you care to share your story, because I immediately laughed so hard when you sent me uh, the the message and I started rolling because I was like, oh, I've been there before. Yeah. So um, obviously I'll ne- leave out names, but I was hit up by a potential client who wanted to render my services. And I said, cool, like, you know what? Uh, since you're actually a friend of mine, I'll give you, give you a discount. I, you know, I, I quoted him my price. Uh, cause the thing was, you know, I want this done by end of month, which was like three or four weeks away. And I'm like, cool, let's get to work. Like you want mm-hmm. this done on a deadline. Let's do it. Uh, a week rolls by. So then I have maybe three weeks to get, get this big project done. And, uh, and I'm like, I hit him up. Hey man, like, uh, what's up? Let's, let's get to, let's get to planning. And you say, is there anything that I could do on my end to help, help speed things along? You're already uh, doing more than you should at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, because my, my urgency is sort of like, okay, if you want to get this done by end of month and you, if you don't want me to like bump up my prices because you're having me rush through a project, like let's get to planning immediately. And, uh, you know, so, uh, sorry, I haven't been, haven't been communicative. We're still working with this thing, that thing and the other. And immediately at that point, I'm like, okay, so like he's trying to plan things without anything else actually being in place. Yeah, there's no direction there. Yeah. And that's another huge, a huge tell because everything you work on, not all of it's going to lead to something. Mm-hmm. But time, we've talked about it so many times. Time is a valuable resource. And when someone doesn't respect your time and is treating you like kind of, uh, you know, like a bystander, like you're always going to be there type of thing. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's like, no. I have, I'm first of all, the disrespect from, Hey, if you give someone a discount and they don't jump on that immediately, it's kind of showing the lack of respect they have towards you professionally already. Um, so that's like one warning sign when you're working with someone and that happens. The next is like, there's no, when you've already set a precedent of how things are going to proceed, but yet there's a lack of follow-up on their end. There's no direction. They're still trying to figure it out. Then it's something that rains on. Like I had one, one artist one time. This was like a nine month debacle. It was so annoying. And I, I learned a lot from this though. And it was something similar to where I was like constantly following up. Hey, um, you know, they were going to, they were going to come out to me in Los Angeles at the time. So it was going to be like a week long session because they were coming out of town. And I had helped them figure out like Airbnb hotels and everything, how much stuff was going to be, uh, how much to have for food. I like they wouldn't have to worry about water because I was going to like have water in the studio. Like there was a lot of stuff I was going to do to help them. But I was like, there, it was constantly like the schedule was always changing. It was like, okay, we're all coming out for like a week. Okay. We're all coming out for like a week and a half. Actually, 
our drummer just left, so now we're looking for a new drummer. And I'm just, and when that one happened, I was like, okay, I can program the drums. Nobody in the world that matters, that's a consumer or a fan of your band is going to know that you have programmed drums. Matter of fact, most label artists are using programmed drums. Mm -hmm. Shocker. Right. And, you know, their, their integrity and ego is like, no, 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 we need it to be real. We want it to be a huge, huge EP. We want the singles to be huge. We want it to be played. And I'm like, so you're putting a lot of faith into it like this mythical drummer that you don't even know can learn the songs in a certain amount of time that will be able to hit hard and has the studio experience and i was already kind of doing a discount because i believe the artist was good like the the demos that i heard i was like this is the type of project that can take my resume to the next level so i was really pushing for it but not like pushy pushy but just like come on kind of the same thing yeah. that was happening with you yeah and Dude, like month after month after month until finally I got tired of it. And then I kind of got their attention a few months later because I posted a meme making fun of bands like that. And they're like, why don't you just at me next time? I was like, I didn't know I had permission to just call you out like that. And they're like, <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, you know, you, you and I expressed my frustration. I was like, you're you said you wanted this to be something big and huge, but you don't have the band or members for it to be what you're envisioning. Mm. So you have become that meme. Like you are that meme and you took it personally because you are that meme now. Maybe you need to inner reflect on yourself and change how you conduct your band because your band is a business and it you sound very passionate, but passion doesn't make money in a business, yes. unfortunately. And I like I could tell I had annoyed a few people in this band but ultimately they knew i was right so they didn't say shit they're like you can't argue with logic you mm -hmm. can't like if anyone were to see the messages they'd be like yeah no dude he's being 100 nice and cool with you guys like you guys have just strung him along and it was just like a band that's unable to have a band or artist or client that has no vision or timetable of when they need to get things done like the artist messaging this person messaging you and saying like oh we want to get things done at the end of the month in your mind you're like oh okay okay like Month started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get, let's get to work. Yeah. Because you know how much of a workload it's going to be. Right. Oh, and yeah. that, for me, I was like doing a whole EP. I was like, and again, like I wanted this on my resume, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know what? There are things that happen in people's lives that create circumstances that they need a little bit of leeway, right? A little bit of time runway. And that's, and that, that's, that's, because you could say like, oh, well, Steven, shit happens. You know, maybe something came yeah. up and whatever. But it's like that should have been communicated to me. Like, I feel like the artist that respects your time is going to say, you know, without being prompted, say, hey, man, like, I know I said end of month, but like some things are happening with the the, the studio. We're still getting uh, we're still giving notes back on the mix, you know, in the studio or, you know, like shit happens. I get yeah. that. I totally get that. And that's that's totally understandable <clears throat> if that is communicated with all parties. Yeah. And there's nothing like I've been in those situations when it's I can see some artists or clients being like having some level of shame towards like, oh, it's not going to happen and they're embarrassed. But mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. that's a that's a them thing. And you can't make them get over that. And it's not your responsibility to shoulder that. Yes. Your responsibility is just to follow up. Whereas there are clients and artists who will tell you like, oh, hey, like I actually need to move the dates because this and this happened. And those are the ones that open the doors and they're open to that communication. Like 
they're always the best clients because before an issue arises, it's been talked about mm -hmm. as much as possible. And sure, there will be new ones that arise, but the baseline of issues are there. The outliers will pop out on occasion. But I think when you're when someone's trying to render your services, I think it's really important for you to protect yourself by setting a deadline or yeah. like giving a, a prospective series of dates so that they know that like, oh, I'm committing to this. But where I learned to change the strategy was also another warning sign is when an artist or band or client does not want to pay you a deposit. Yeah. I am huge on if I don't get at least half of the money up front. I am like, this project does not exist to me. A lot of people are like, oh, like I'm scared to ask for half. I'm like, I'm fucking not because it, well, the moment money is exchanged, you can just leave it in like your bank account or your Venmo or whatever. <laughs> Treat it as like it's an escrow, right? Yep. You have the money, but it's just there so that they've taken the initiative. Um, I would highly, highly recommend that if you can, do not spend that deposit. Uh, yeah. Because shit can happen. But I... I started running into encounters where like I couldn't get the full paycheck and stuff like that. And I noticed it was like certain people were doing these type of transactions and there's always one person in the band that sh creates a shit for everyone else in the band. Usually, uh, you know, they use sticks. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, drummers are usually the worst in the band. Like mm. I'll just keep it real. I think the second worst can be vocalists. Um, yeah. But when it comes to money, man, Drummers always, for whatever reason, just like it's like that money touches their hand and they blink and it's gone. It's crazy. They, it's like a a, a Bermuda Triangle that's in, in embedded in their hands. Yeah, is that the same for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I was gonna say from from my my perspective because I worked at a at a guitar shop and I I had drummer clients. Like their shit is expensive. Like yeah, their shit is real expensive. So I I get it when a drummer's like, oh, I don't have the money. It's like yeah, you spent all your paycheck on fucking cymbals because you broke them like last month. Like I get it. Like you're you know drummers buying cymbals. I don't even know drummers buying drum heads. Like they're I rocking know. the same ones for two years. Well, here was the thing. Like so, like I'd have some drummers, uh, I drummers that I knew would go to like Guitar Center and take advantage of like the return policies if they broke a cymbal. Oh my god! So they would literally just replace cymbals because it's like, oh man, this one broke. Like you know, just replace it with a new one and a new one and a new one. Like and uh, that that always had me cracking up. Like, but the uh, but like drum heads are expensive. Like, like yeah. it's all expensive. And the markups, too. Holy shit. Like, I think drummers yeah, get see, the worst, worst markup. Okay, I agree that drum, drum, drumming equipment <laughs> is expensive. But in my experience, most drummers are spending, like, tattoos, weed, mm. and booze are mm -hmm. the three that I've always seen drummers wait. Like, oh, dude, I totally forgot I paid rent. And then I got some, like, weed from my buddy. And then we went out for drinks. I'm like, what about the tattoo that now you have on your ankle that wasn't there last week? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, man, you like it? My buddy did it for, like, a discount. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to get paid for my job. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but I, I am I am not strangling you right now because it's against the law. But my goodness, man, like, how are you going to, like, tell me stories of how you spent my money? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's all I think. So to to bypass all of that, yeah. I started creating yeah. a new role where after I talk about dates, I the dates are high, essentially like a guideline to like, OK, here are the dates. What do you think? Oh, yeah, these are great. All right, cool. If you want to lock in these dates, I need 
you need to uh, send me half of the deposit and I'll block out that calendar. And then I'm going to invite everybody in the band into that calendar. So I need everyone's emails and then I'm going to create a uh, group thread email. The reason I don't do group chats anymore as much as possible is because chats can't be held in a court of law from what I've heard from most attorneys, but emails 100% can. Mm -hmm. So I like keep creating an email thread. So even if someone, someone says, I never responded to that email thread, they received it because it'll show the timestamp on the email that they received it and they didn't Smart. bounce back. Yeah. So that's my way of keeping like a paper trail. Unfortunately, when you work in Los Angeles, you have some shysty people. So you have to keep up some sorts of paper trails. But those those dates were arbitrary. And until I got a deposit, they were not locked down. And nowadays, there's systems called like Calendy where someone mm -hmm. can pay with a credit card to book certain calendar dates. You can literally have your calendar online. It's like $100 a year. And you can tell artists, yeah, book the dates you want. Here is a code. Um, they pay through the portal. You get your 400 something dollars because of the fee that they'll take out, but you still get paid the deposit, right? And you put that explicitly, like you're not paying for the full dates. You're paying just to reserve the dates. Please go to this link or you do it manually, whatever you want. But you have to take a deposit. I don't know why I said 400 or something. I think in my brain, I'm thinking $500 deposit. But anyway, um, you take that deposit and then you book in those dates. And I'm telling you, when you can get that deposit within 72 hours, you're gonna have a pretty good artist, band, or client to work with. And they, they're committed, they know. If you have someone that's like dragging their feet, can you hold those dates until Friday? We got, I gotta talk to the rest of the band. I'm like, first come, first serve, my, my, my friend. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't a, a, I'm a business. And you gotta treat, you have to not be afraid to treat yourself like a business. and tell people how you're going to do things you can't be like oh yeah sure i'll hold it for you guys and then they don't come through then they're going to know that like there's always that exception to everything you say and do always and they're not right. going to be afraid to ask for those um you have to be really careful about that have you ever had that happen to you oh yeah where you 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 uh allow a boundary to get tread on just a little bit because you're like mm -hmm. excited for the opportunity or you're just looking for the money or whatever and suddenly that's now the new norm like they pushed your boundary back further than when where you're comfortable and now that's mm -hmm. where the boundary now lies like and it yep. is it is a vicious cycle because they know they can push on your boundaries and you won't you won't snap back at them so yep. they know they can push and push and push <laughs> until you actually, you know, break. Yeah, it's, it's so annoying. That's why you have to just put your foot to the ground. You may feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel comfortable mm -hmm. being assertive at first. But over time, it just became easier because I knew that if I was uh, – no one else was going to come handle the situation for me, essentially. Mm -hmm. I had to do it myself. Um when you get further along in your career, maybe you get lucky enough to have like a office manager or a business manager and someone who can handle those conversations with a representative of the band for you. But until then, it's all going to be you. And, you know, the next one I want to talk about is one that I wish I would have asked more about sooner. So aside from the deposit, there's something else that I started doing years ago because, again, time is a valuable resource. They need to respect your time. But I always lead the conversation not with like how much – I don't lead with what's the budget. I always lead with so what's your like – mark? Uh, how, how are you going to market this record or single? How are you going to get it out there? Because I kind of want to know do they understand marketing? Do they have an actual plan that's going to work or 
that you've seen work? Because in reality, all bands have to do is find the five or ten bands that they admire, watch their social media and analyze it for a couple of days, and then literally you can create a framework from that. Mm-hmm. And it's a repeatable cycle because bands, they're not doing it. Like no one does anything that they haven't seen anyone else do. It's all a framework and people just key into that framework and copy it and follow it. Just like with music, there's mix prep with guitar playing. There's learning how certain chords and songs are structured. There's always a framework. It's not, oh, they're just really good at it. It's like, no, no, no. They've gotten a framework from somebody and they're just following it and they're finding their flow and they're getting better at it over time. And with artists, and even if you're like a photographer, videographer, like knowing how your video is going to reach the world and possibly touch other people who want to render your services is so crucial. And it's like, you can be really proud of something you made, but if no one's going to hear it or see it or listen to it, what was the point? That's, that's my philosophy on that. So I'm really big on asking like, what's the marketing plan? How are you going to get it out there? Where are you playing shows? Are you booked yet? Are you not booked? Um, what was your last single dropped? What, what's your usual turnout shows? Like, like questions I'm trying to get to know the band, but really I'm trying to figure out is, is this band going to possibly help me or not? Because when you get to a stage of your career where you can kind of take off, where you can kind of take on the artists or clients where not everyone needs to be a home run, then you're in a different place. But if you're building something, you really need as many home run pitches as you can get. So that way, every time you go to bat, you're just constantly working towards winning the game. Otherwise, you're just always going to be in the dugout. Sure, sure. So yeah, big red flag is an artist not having vision. That's uh, that's actually really good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crucial. Um, or artists... And clients that uh, they're trying to bring on more than one person to do something. So, like, for example, one time with another artist, we wanted to do a record. And I had give, pitched them to record, uh, produce, mix, and master. Mm-hmm. But because my budget was a little higher than they had anticipated. Mind you, I 100% worth my budget. I They were like, well, this so-and-so person, again, that first warning sign, I was like, oh man, okay, so this this band's already throwing in the red flag on mm-hmm. this early. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part of the conversation was, yeah, well, what if we just hire you to do the mixing? We do the engineering ourselves, but our buddy will produce us via FaceTime who has like done some like, other bands and then uh we'll have our other friend master the track and i was like well why do you want so many it's not that a artist or client or band isn't inclined to build a team essentially like there's nothing wrong with that but when building a team there that you're multiplying the communication by each person you bring it in and each person communicates differently. And also with musicians and other creatives, you have to keep in mind, not everyone communicates the same way. Not everyone has the same personalities. Not everyone is on the same schedule. So there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of discrepancies that are already in that plan. Now on paper, it could look great because you think you're going to get the best of all worlds, but really you're not. That's yeah. what's... Imagine getting tossed onto a team with a whole bunch of strangers. You have no idea what they do, how they do it, what they're expecting of you. Oh, yeah, sounds like a nightmare. And I, I knew my level of expertise and I knew the quality that I can do. I don't know these other people 
And like, why, why am I going to like, I can be sent songs that are not what I intended them to be. And I'm just like, not stoked on them. I don't want these songs on my resume. Then I have to mix them, but then I have to send them to someone to finalize the master. And they might totally script the master because everyone thinks they can be a mastering engineer. Everyone thinks they can just throw on some like waves plugins and some slate digital and all of a sudden they're like, Pro oh yeah, this mass, yeah. yeah, this mass, this track is mastered because it's loud. It's like, no, 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 it's an art form in and of itself. It's not, unless you have a studio, like mastering is the one type of environment where I'm like, no, 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 you need to have like mastering level headphones and or monitors because there are so many intricacies. It's with mastering, it's about what is the smallest move that will make the biggest impact. And a lot of people don't think that way. They think like, oh, I'm going to do this. 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 And I'm just like, so I I might get served a, a plate of shit, turn it into uh, silver, and then expect the master engineer to turn it into gold, essentially. No, that's like not. So it was... Uh, I was really frustrated with that. And then I realized it was like a trend with smaller bands. We're trying to like do this is bring in, make, make a, make a team, like an elite recording team. Now I do mm -hmm. believe there are relationships in the professional industry where you have the producer who has his engineer who records everything, you know, like a Howard Benson and Mike uh, Plotnikoff. And then you have like CLA who tends to mix those records. And then they go to uh What's his name? Oh, why am I blanking on it? I think it ends with Jensen or something. I'm totally blanking. But anyways, like there's a team there that does a lot of records. And a lot of the records that CLA mixes are from producers he's done other records with. Every once in a while he'll do a record. He'll do, you know, he'll do records with people he hasn't done records with because he loves the mix. But for the most part, the records that we hear on the radio, he's gotten in tracks from those engineers and producers. He knows what he's getting when he when they come to his doorstep. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, when you build a production team like that, those are professionals who they're dialed in. But when you're a small band that doesn't know how they're going to market, can barely do a deposit, lack of vision, and then you're trying to bring in more people to essentially save money or build a team to give you the best of all worlds because everyone will have an opinion to make something better – you're just asking for a shit sandwich. Yeah. And that's a huge war that's like these are huge warning signs that you as a creative even if you're not making records, if you're just a videographer and like you're not bringing in your own team, but other people are finding the team members for you, I would be really really cautious of like what what are these personality types? What is their work? Is he even going to be at the caliber you need it to be for what you want? Cuz there's no there's no situation worse than being put on the spot and having to make something work when you're looking at the other people who are supposed to be, you know, your your peers helping you out in a project and you're looking and you're like, this video is going to come out like shit because these people around me don't know what they're doing. I have to secretly fix their mistakes without tiptoeing, like without offending anyone because the last thing I want is to like, you know, essentially you got to make people who are terrible look good for the sake of you getting your job done. Yep. It's like the worst position to be in. Yep. Tight. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. I suppose. At well, the that's end a of, short one. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, when you're being approached by an artist, understand what your own values are, what your own boundaries are, and if they don't align with what the artist is is bringing to you, then you know, just chuck them. Because at the end of the day, it's your 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 sanity, your career's longevity that's oh, yeah. dependent on you looking out for yourself rather than just trying to jump into bed with whoever comes along your way yeah 100 percent. well tight yeah i think that's uh 
pretty good place to wrap up. So yeah, if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know who would also find value in this episode. If you'd like to continue this discussion with John and I, you can find a link to our show's Discord server in the description of this episode wherever you're listening. And if you want even more motivation to help your creative goals come to life, we have started up our Ramp Up newsletter. If you'd like to sign up, you can find a link in the description of this episode wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Later. Later. Later.